We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Now available at Dundrum Town Centre. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Ryan Thurlow, a winner of more than $75,000 in his High Stakes Fantasy Football career with the FFPC. In this episode, we discuss how far he is willing to reach to get his guys in his high-stakes drafts, his thoughts on a modified zero-RB strategy, who he likes between Brandon Cooks and Jarvis Landry, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel as well. 
Now, without further ado, here's $75,000 high-stakes winner, Ryan Thurlow. So, I am sitting with uh, one of the a rising stars in the high-stakes fantasy football industry from uh, from what I've been told and what I've observed from, from many high-stakes players. Ryan Thurlow uh, joining us on the uh, Rotoviz uh, high-stakes lowdown this week. Ryan, thanks for joining me, and I appreciate you coming on. Before we get into fantasy football, tell the listeners, uh, when you're not playing high-stakes fantasy football, what are you doing, spending your time doing for a living? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. This is fun. Um, I work at a day trading firm uh, here in New York City. And so uh, we don't, our, our firm doesn't have any clients or anything. It's a proprietary firm, meaning uh, we use the firm's capital. And if we make the firm money, uh, we, we make money. And if, if, if we make money, then the firm makes money. And if we lose money, then the firm loses money. And um, it's a, a lot of pack, pattern recognition. Um, and the firm basically uh, taught everyone who works there how to, how to trade. And so we buy and sell stocks, U.S. equities, um, uh, on, a, on a quick basis. So we, we're in and out of stocks real fast, um, sometimes seconds, sometimes minutes. And um, it's a lot of fun. It's a, uh, it, it's a lot of basically uh, other 30-year-olds sitting around in rows and, and looking for patterns in stocks. This is, you know, honestly, if you wouldn't have told me day trading, you, you might have described fantasy football in general be a daily or dynasty or, or redraft or whatever it is um recognizing exactly. recognizing what player is on the come up what player maybe you want to sell on and i mean i think there's a lot of uh it's an allegory for you know what you do in your in your day job to to what you do and do successfully in high stakes fantasy football as well exactly yeah no i, I definitely look at all the players as as they are shares of a stock especially in dynasty you uh you had a massive massive 2017 uh nine count them nine football guys players championship league titles two ffpc dynasty titles six double up wins nearly two dozen other caches amongst all your other leagues so i mean this begs the question people want to know they see somebody have all the success in you know at the high stakes level in a year what was the secret what did you do well what went really good for you last year how did you run so hot that that you um that you scored all this cash well, I got pretty lucky in a couple of leagues with Gurley in the playoffs, but um, I, no, I would say so. I, I developed a spreadsheet on uh, Google Sheets um, that is like a projections model for how well a player, I think, a player is going to do on a per season basis as well as a per game basis, and um, and uh, I use a, like a top down team top-down approach where I take all the fancy relevant players and figure out what I think their target share will be and then figure out how many total plays I think a team will have during that season and um, and how good their offensive line is and this, the uh, yards per attempt skill of the quarterback on the team as well as the, the wide receivers. And so I, I put um, a whole bunch of, of things into – into the spreadsheet and then it pops out a, a number for each player and uh and i use a um a value ab- above replacement type of system so so i pretty much uh go blind based on <laughs> what my spreadsheet is telling me and so um 
So sometimes it works out and sometimes it fails miserably, but that's my system. So that's interesting because you obviously, you know, you're married to, you know, I don't want to say you're married to your rankings, but all the stuff that you put into this document, I mean, certainly there's some objective stats, but I mean, you talk about offensive line and how good it is and how good other aspects are, whether it be the matchup or the schedule or whatever. I mean, there's subject, some subjective points to this as well. So sort of, this is, you know, your approach to these high stakes drafts. It's subjectively objective, as it were. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a ton of subject subjectivity in there. Um, as for offensive line, I use the PFF stats. So what what each offensive lineman is graded uh, for both pass uh, rush or for bat for both path pass defense and rush defense. And so there are numbers for each of those for each offensive lineman. So that's what I use in order to make it a, a bit more um, objective. And you, I, I'm just curious, when you have this this uh, spreadsheet, you obviously do it for drafts. When you're setting lineups and considering, you know, blind bidding throughout the season, are you, uh, you know, updating this spreadsheet on a week-to-week basis to make sure that you're making the correct week-to-week calls as well? Absolutely, yeah. Pretty much uh, hour-to-hour basis, I would say. <laughs> this thing is is become my... Uh, my number one job, as opposed to day trading, I would say. You know, and, well, and you've had a lot of success with, with it as well. So certainly, uh, that, that you know, that makes a lot of sense when you're um, when you're bringing uh, when you're bringing in that type of uh, success and results uh, into your bankroll. Uh, given you know how you've been doing, that that makes a lot of sense that that it is your main job. Uh, as far as 2018 goes, we'll shift to this year. You've completed uh, a lot of best ball drafts uh, so far, as well as. Uh, a handful of FPC leagues, too. Do you feel, uh, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing when I ask if you're overweight on any single player or or maybe you know several players, because sometimes you want to be overweight on guys that you are really believing in for that season. Do you feel like you are overweight or, or have a lot of shares in, in one particular player or maybe a couple of players this year? Definitely, yeah. Um, I am overweight on Andy Dalton this year, uh, Albert Wilson, is one of my sleepers, I would say, um, for the Dolphins. And uh, Marquise Goodwin, I'm also overweight on. That one uh, feels a bit iffy to me, but based on um, based on the numbers that I have, as well as um, just watching him, he honestly reminds me of a T.Y. Hilton type of player where they, they move him around and he can beat people with his speed. Um, so, so I'm overweight on Marquise Goodwin as well. Kyle Shanahan really sort of unlocked his potential last year when, you know, we saw what he was capable of with Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and, and it was a lot of good things for, for fantasy players down the stretch. Let's talk about the two other players you mentioned there. First, start off with Andy Dalton, because this is a guy that, as far as, you know, my fantasy team is about my fantasy drafts, I've drafted Andy Dalton. Uh, I've never been excited about it, and, and I don't particularly <laughs> think he's going to set the world on fire this year. But let's talk about him as far as um, what he does to the Joe Mixons and the A.J. Greens and the John Rosses, you know, the, the rest of that Cincinnati offense, given that you have Dalton on a lot of teams, are you a believer that Mixon and A.J. Green or maybe somebody else on the Bengals is in for a big season? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I'm high on A.J. Green, although I haven't been able to get him as much because I'm higher on some of the running backs in that late second, early third um, round. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm high on Mixon this year as well, um, and I'm, I'm drafting John Ross in like probably the, the 25th round of uh, best balls I would say. 
he's usually off the board right around 24th to 27th round. And, um, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, their offensive line this year is, is going to be a huge factor in, in how well they do, as well as just the number of, of plays per game that they're going to run. Last year they ran one of the, some of the fewest or one of the fewest uh, amount of plays on a per season basis that they have in many, many years. And I think it was just have, having to do with them being terrible. And, um, and their, their offensive line was a major part of that. They, they get John Ross back uh, who could do a great job stretching the field for them. And uh, yeah, I, I think that, that uh, Andy Dalton as, as bland as he is, I, I think could uh, have a turnaround season. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, talking about Cincinnati, they have made the, uh, the, the effort to improve the offensive line. They, they make the trade with Buffalo uh, to get Glenn in there. And um, it, it's def- the 2018 unit for the Bengals, as far as the big uglies up front, are, is much better than what it was in 2017. When's the last time, uh, Ryan, that you've had, and, and I'm asking this honestly because I don't even know the answer to the question, a receiver, and I'm using John Ross as the example here, a receiver that was taken in the top 10 of the NFL draft, and then the following year you could get him in a best ball within the last three rounds of the draft. That is so rare. I can't remember another time that's happened, and you can do it with John Ross this year. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I wonder where uh, Kevin White was going in the year after they drafted him. Or maybe that was the year that he, he tore his ACL or something. That but, could be too, yeah. But I, either I, way, yeah. The, the forgotten Kevin White. <laughs> and maybe forgotten in the Bears offense again this year too. The other guy I want to, uh, to, to bring up is the receiver from the Dolphins, the newly minted uh, receiver after he signed a contract with uh, Miami this offseason, Albert Wilson. It's weird because, you know, Miami loses all those targets to – you know, that we're going to Jarvis Landry last year as he's in Cleveland now. And you would think a lot of them are going to, and they still may go to Devontae Parker. Um, but you have Albert Wilson there who signs. You have Danny Amendola down there. Kenny Stills is going to be fighting uh, for targets as well. So, I mean, there are other options down there. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about why you like Albert Wilson in 2018. So, I've been fighting a couple other guys uh, in my best balls to get him. Uh, I, I think a couple other guys are huge fans of Albert Wilson, so I've been going out around pretty much each time in order to get him around earlier each time. And uh, no, but I, I don't think that Miami is going to have a great offense by any means. So it's not like a slam dunk type of play here. But I do think that there are a ton of targets vacated by Jarvis Landry leaving, and uh, uh, Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola play the same position basically, that slot position. Um, Albert Wilson plays a bit on the outside as well, but um, but I, I I think that with all the money they paid him in the offseason, that they're not going to play Danny Amendola over him whatsoever. And uh, I do think that Devontae Parker is a little bit underrated this season. Um, he had been getting some crazy hard matchups with cornerbacks last season, and I think that could clear up a bit this this year. But um, with him playing the exposition, Devontae Parker, that is, I, uh, I think it will open up Albert Wilson um, for, for, for a lot of targets against lesser cornerbacks this season, which is why I like him comparatively. Yeah, and Wilson, obviously, you know, going very, very cheap in drafts right now. If you look hard enough, you'll be able to find values like Wilson later on in FFPC drafts, and, and obviously he's, uh, 
he's definitely one of them and you know that that there's a, you know as you alluded to there's other guys that that have been out there trying to snag up uh albert wilson late so he is uh you know and then we have this constant leapfrog game like well you take him in the 26th i'm gonna take him in the 25th you take him in the 25th i'm gonna take him in the 24th and he's exactly he's, he's constantly going up so we'll see we'll monitor how he's gonna go uh throughout the the next um you know and, two months of the of the drafting season and that's how uh, i've been taking rico gathers in the 15th round pretty consistently <laughs> which doesn't seem like it's gonna turn out very well <laughs> <laughs> it may not but i mean again i don't think Gathers has not, you know, been talked up too much, and, and obviously he had some quiet OTAs and mini camps uh, in Dallas this year. But I wouldn't say that anybody, and feel free to disagree with me on on the Dallas tight ends. I don't know if anybody has, you know, pulled away head and shoulders like, okay, this is clearly the guy there. You know, I, Bla- I know Blake Jarwin has been, you know, running with the ones down there, but I don't think any, you know, he's not exactly setting the world on fire. The thing that scares me about Gathers, I guess, is from the reports I read, he um, has basically been doing a lot of blocking, a lot of inline stuff, and and that's frustrating for fantasy owners if you're owning him. Yes, for sure. I've seen reports that he's up to like 285. Oh, yeah, yeah, I put or on so. a lot of weight. Yeah, yeah, it's not looking good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm just I I was just basing uh, off of what I saw last season in the preseason, and and he looked like a young, uh, like a Jimmy Graham type of player. But if they're not going to use him like that, I don't want him on my fantasy team, and so I, I've stopped drafting him. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think any Dallas tight end really is going to be usable this season if it's not him, because uh, the new guys they're going to take some time to learn, and uh, I, I feel like most of those guys will be blocking anyways, especially with the type of offense that Dallas likes to run. You yeah, and I mean we we I think one of the puzzles that we need to solve is as far as fantasy owners go for for 2018 is okay who, who are you know des bryant's targets are are out there you know and we have michael gallup there we have terrence williams there we have alan hearns there we have you know jason witten targets gone we have so we have this like you know um, hodgepodge of tight end there where are these targets going to go and and i think if you could answer that question correctly as as we move forward in the 2018 season you will be better off especially because i mean this is not a decision you need to make in the single digit rounds at least as of right now you can get pretty much all those guys in the double digit rounds all the dallas tight ends michael gallup is a double digit round pick alan hearns is still going in the double digit rounds. so i mean if you hit on one of those guys it it's not going to make or break your draft but certainly in a best ball league it's going to put you in a much better place than if you miss on it um so we we talk about Dallas running the ball a lot, but nailing down those correct pass catchers is going to be key as well. Absolutely, yeah. I, I've got Hearns, actually, as the leader in targets there at a 22% clip. And uh, if that's the case, then I think he's undervalued. Um, and I think he has a chance to outproduce even that. We might even see Michael Irvin back in a Cowboys uniform this year. I'm not, <laughs> uh, I'm not writing off anything at this point. Anything's possible. Uh, speaking of anything possible, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to the uh, the FFPC main event, uh, the other high stakes drafts you, you've done in, in Las Vegas, trying the big payback, obviously, and so forth, you know that when you get to that final weekend uh, at Planet Hollywood, there's no such thing as sleepers. I mean, you're not, you're just not going to get like a, a you know super sleeper value uh, falling to you in drafts. Uh, so, how willing? 
are you when it comes to those final drafts of the year? How willing are you to reach on a player uh, to get your guy? Is it reaching on a, a you know a round early, two rounds early, three rounds early? How do you how do you balance you know getting players that are going to be able to return their draft value, but at the same time get players that you had targeted at the start of the drafting process? So I gotta be honest, I'm not too concerned with ADP. Um, I, I do realize that it's a good way to not make too many mistakes, and I think it's a useful tool for sure. Um, but I'm definitely willing to go outside of ADP by a round or two. It depends on whether it's early in the draft or late. If it's early, I'm less likely to go too far ahead of the ADP. Um, if it's late, I, I'm much more likely to go a couple rounds ahead of ADP to get my guy because I have, I have a lot of guys, a lot of my guys that uh, I, I want to end up with. And... Um, if I wait until ADP, uh, most of them are going to be gone anyways, just because I'll be taking one or two of my guys, but not all of them, essentially. And so I don't mind, uh, I don't, I don't mind going out to get my guy, uh, especially later on in the draft, uh, because there are so many players in the draft where it's, it's hard to project exactly whom should be ahead of whom anyways. And a lot of guys are, are muddled, you know, in the, in the fifth through 10th round or the 10th through 20th round anyways. So I'm not too concerned about it there. And I would say I probably go outside of ADP pretty much more than anyone. I'm looking at um, my ADP from FFPC best balls. I, I think I'm two full rounds ahead of ADP on Andy Dalton, um, like 19 slots ahead of ADP and Albert Wilson. Uh, uh, I'm pretty overweight let's see on patrick mahomes like 15 spots ahead of adp so I, i'm definitely willing to go out and, and i think it's important to realize also, like, like like you want you want to get your guys but it's important not to fall in love with any one guy or any two guys because there there may be a similar player lurking at a later value or a similar value that you don't need to necessarily go and overdraft your favorite player because you can get similar fantasy value later Exactly. Yeah, well, that's part of the good thing about doing so many drafts is that when you do a ton of drafts, you know you're going to end up with a, a somewhat varied mix of players anyways. So you don't have to be too worried about going that far ahead for in ADP in order to get your guy. So, yeah. Fair I would enough. say uh, I would say just based on my, my overdrafting of ADP, I, I would probably be one of the more overconfident uh, fantasy drafters. And, and that's important. I mean, like you, you want to have conviction in your in your choices, in your draft picks, because it's like if you go out there and it's a guessing game, you don't want to have. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't want to like go away from draft like, well, gee, I hope I was right about this guy, or, or I hope I hope I didn't make a mistake there. Like you want to have. I think it. I think it's it's important to be. Well, it's just like a pro athlete. You don't want to be cocky, but you do want to be confident. Yeah, that makes total sense. When you uh, let's talk about um, specific players here, um, and one guy I want to get to is is a guy who went basically in the second round of most FFPC drafts last year, um, and, and it's a guy who, I, for me personally, I'm staying away from this year because I have a lot of questions about the Buffalo offense. But Lashawn McCoy, Ryan, is basically the weapon, the name uh, for the Bills this year, and you have. Um, Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones at receiver. You have Charles Clay at tight end. And then 
A.J. McCarron, Nathan Peterman, um, Josh Allen. I mean, who knows that quarterback. And the offensive line is missing, you know, while it was very good last year, it's missing three of the five starters from 2017. So I'm I'm very, very bearish on uh, LaShawn McCoy this year. Am I wrong? Is he is he still a good choice in the second round? How have you been treating him in drafts? So I'm also very bearish on the Bills, of course, um, going into the season. Uh, I am, let's see, I don't. I don't have any LaShawn McCoy, mostly because I like other guys in that range better. Um, I think that LaShawn is going to get his... Um, a lot of his value comes in the passing game, and I do think that he will still get a fair amount of passing work, uh, as the Bills will be behind a lot. Um, but I've heard rumors that he wants to take fewer touches in order to preserve his career a bit, which probably is the right thing for him, considering how beaten up he'll get uh, behind that offensive line. And uh, I, I think he should be going probably late third, early fourth. Um, so I don't think that he's going to be a bust or anything, but I, I do think he's being overdrafted still. Yeah, there's so many guys for, you know, where McCoy is going in drafts. There's so many other guys. Man, oh, man, I like his ceiling better. I like his ceiling better. If you are a believer in volume players, in, you know, turning consistent fantasy numbers out, I think that McCoy makes a lot of sense because he is going to get the ball a lot. I just question... Um, how successful he is going to be with those touches. And when you talk about, let, let, um, let's let center on the first round of drafts at the same position. There's a lot of running backs going in the first round this year. Bell, Gurley, Johnson, Elliott, Kamara, Barkley, Hunt, uh, Freeman, Fournette. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Delvin Cook is, is another one. I don't want to talk about zero RB necessarily because, you know, there's, there's a lot of podcasts and, and content sites and advice sites out there that have um, talked about zero RB to death, but you look at the possibility of taking one of these running backs in the first round, uh, even if it's later in the first round, you grab a, a Cook or Fournette or Melvin Gordon or whoever it is. How sound is the strategy of grabbing one of those guys in the first round and then in, in FFPC drafts, maybe loading up on three wideouts and a tight end or two wideouts and two tight ends or four wideouts over the next three rounds? And then you don't take your second running back until round six, round seven. Maybe you get, uh, you know, you, you get a bunch, you, you know, you have three, four running backs in your roster by the end of round 10. But basically the strategy of getting one in the first round, ignoring it for five rounds and then coming back with your RB2 there. How likely is it that you would be a subscriber to that strategy in 2018, given how ADP has played out so far? Uh, I definitely like that strategy. I think I've done that uh, a few different times in the football guys players championship already um, and I'm much more likely to do that um, in a, a regular league as opposed to a best ball league um, and, and uh, I, I would say that I usually take my second running back probably by round four or five though um, just because I think there's a large drop-off between running backs uh, after round five or early round six um, so this particular season I would say I've been taking more running backs early um, but normally I would I would say that that strategy is probably my favorite. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event. 
even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Now available at Dundrum Town Centre. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. You talk about round four and five running backs, and to me, if you look at who's going there, there's a lot of rookie running backs going there. You know, Darius Geis is usually off the board by then, but you have Rashad Penny, you have uh, Ronald Jones sometimes, Sony Michelle. I mean, there's a lot of rookie runners in there. Have you found yourself grabbing one of those three guys between Michelle, Jones, and Penny as your number two running back? Uh, because I, I feel like rookie running backs are, are kind of overlooked and, and underrated uh, in you know, historically, and I feel like uh, when, you know, when I start really getting going on drafts this year, I'm probably going to end up with uh, a, a few shares of those rookie runners there uh, in place of some of the veterans that might be going in that same spot. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I love all those rookies there. <laughs> I would say they're, they're uh, some of my most owned players. Um, I'm taking Rashad Penny in pretty much every draft. I don't mind taking him six spots earlier than his ADP. And uh, I, I do think that Seattle's offensive line is going to be much improved this season. Um, I'm not a huge uh, fan of Brian Hot- Schottenheimer. Is it Brian or is it the other one? I don't no, know. no, no, it's Brian. Brian uh, Schottenheimer. But, okay. And uh, so, let's see. I think he's going to get a pretty solid uh, passing role on that team. So I think he could be a workhorse back for the Seahawks this year. Um and let's see, I, I have a lot of Sony Michelle as well as Ronald Jones this season. Um, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, so I wish I was higher on Royce Freeman than I am. Uh, but um, I'm rooting for him anyways, but I, I don't have him on too many fantasy teams this year. Yeah, Royce Freeman is a guy that uh, he, he's really been climbing up boards. Um, I think for me it's like I need some sort of positive because I'm not a big Devontae Booker guy at all. I need some sort of positive energy going for Devontae Booker, you know, in, in the preseason, just so Freeman can slip a little bit more. And then I think I'd probably get him as, like, my number three running back, um, you know, more often. But right now, man, I, I just think the hype is a little too hot on Royce Freeman right now. And, and I like all three of those guys, Penny Jones and uh, Michelle. I like all three of them better than Freeman at this point. That's not to say that Freeman can't, like, if all of a sudden – Denver decides to go ball control and tough defense, you know, and, and um, you know, running the ball uh, is their premium way of, of putting points on the board, eating up clock. I think Freeman can be very valuable. Um, I, it's just at this point, those other three rookies, I think, are a little bit more sound choices uh, than Royce Freeman uh, at this point in uh, drafting season. Let's talk about um, quarterbacks, something I rarely like to talk about because I, I, you know, I think running backs, receivers, and tight ends are so much more compelling. But I do want to talk about um, taking an early 
quarterback this year because so many, you know, you, you don't have to go very far on Twitter or, you know, Apple Podcasts or, or whatever. This is the wait on quarterback year. Everybody's telling you to wait on quarterback. So when you look at what a lot of players and fantasy drafters are doing, can you actually gain an advantage by taking Deshaun Watson, by taking Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, you know, any of these guys who are going super early uh, in, in round four, round five, if, if everybody else you draft is letting them slip, or would you still rather wait until the double-digit rounds to, to get a quarterback or maybe a couple of quarterbacks right away? How do you approach the quarterback position this year, Ryan? No, I'm going to wait until the double-digit rounds. Um, I pretty much always do, and the reason I like to wait on quarterback, uh, which is not the one that most people tend to talk about, is just that the number of usable fantasy weeks for each of these guys. Um, if you're picking a running back or a wide receiver in round five or six, you're going to probably be able to use them almost every week, whereas if you pick a quarterback in round five or six, um, you might, you might be able to use them 75, 80% of the weeks, uh, depending on who it is and how things break for them in the season. But they're also a lot more prone to variance. And um, if even if you take a guy like Brady or Aaron Rodgers and a couple of their offensive linemen go down or Gronk gets hurt or something like that, um, they're going to be a lot less usable. And so I just think the number of usable weeks for quarterbacks is in general lower, which is one of the reasons why I like to wait. One of the... Uh... I can't remember what guest he was in the high stakes fantasy football hour, but I can tell you it was one of the first few, like one of the first five guests we ever had, you know, way back when, six years ago or whatever it was, was Joe Del Zanero, uh, uh, Baker Boy, is what he's known as as far as his team name uh, goes in, in the FFPC. He has always said that he would love, to, and I subscribe to this theory, his theory, wholeheartedly. He always said, I would love to take a quarterback early. I'd, I'd love to grab these, you know, these upper echelon elite guys in round two, three, four, five, whatever it is. You know, he says, I'm not a good enough player to do it. Like, I need the extra player in those rounds. I need the extra running back. I need the extra receiver. I need the extra tight end in rounds two through five or, or six or whatever it was because I'm just not good enough to, to you know, cobble late round running backs, receivers, tight ends together enough. You, you needed to that. And, that. and that's totally how I am. Like, I would love to get an elite quarterback early because it gives you such an advantage at the position. But at the same time, I need that running back that, that I can play every single week. I need that receiver. I can put in, you know, either in my receiver spot or my flex spot, I, or, or to get that elite tight end. You know, it, it's just that it, it's just like you said, when you can put a, a skill position guy in um, your flex spot or whatever spot it might be on an every week basis. To me, that's just, it, it's, it's so much harder to get a guy like that um, in your lineup on a week-to-week basis that's going to achieve good fantasy points than it is a quarterback where you can kind of stream them or grab guys late. I am totally with you on that. Totally agree. Let's talk about um, uh, two receivers that have switched uniforms since the end of the 2017 season, and they are actually going right around the same spot in FFPC best ball drafts right now. You have Brandon Cooks moving from the New England Patriots all the way to the West Coast, playing for the Los Angeles Rams. And then you have Jarvis Landry heading north from the Miami Dolphins up to Cleveland. So as far as which guy you'd want in a Football Guys Players Championship or or one of your FFPC high-stakes leagues, your main event league, whatever it would be, Ryan, this year, who would you rather be drafting? Is it Cooks or is it Landry? 
it is Landry, and it's not close, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I would not get near Cooks with a 10-foot pole this year. Uh, I do think that he'll be playing the, the Sammy Watkins role um, on, the, on the Rams. Uh, they tend to essentially not even look at their ex-wide receiver and use him as a decoy. Um, and uh, I think it's a good strategy, honestly. So I'm not sure why they would stop doing that now. Uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup both are great at the roles that they play. And they tend to get more targets because they're up against worse cornerbacks, and so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't draft Cooks this year. Uh, Landry I, I like a lot more. Um, I haven't really really been drafting him almost at all because I've been drafting running backs around where he goes. But um, I do think that uh, it, it's a it's a downward move from from going to from so many targets in Miami to going to Cleveland, but. Um, my my model actually loves Cleveland this year, and uh, you can call me crazy if you want, but I actually predict that Cleveland will win nine games this year. Yes. With 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 Baker Mayfield as uh, their starting quarterback for more than half of those, and um, so I really like Cleveland this year. Um, I wish I could draft more of their running backs, but it's really hard to predict who it's going to be. So I'm mostly staying away from that. But right. I do think that that Landry will will be good this year and startable most weeks. But I think if uh, Josh Gordon goes down or gets busted one more time, that Landry will be an absolute stud. And that's where most of his value will come. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I'm totally with you on, on Landry just becoming a monster, especially if Gordon uh, was, was, you know, suspended again or anything. Clearly all Cleveland needed was to get LeBron James out of there. And now the, the success <laughs> is going to shift from the NBA to the NFL and, and now this is the Browns' year, and Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, leading them to uh, at least be in the playoff hunt in December. Boy, that would be exciting. I'd love to see it. Um, talking about the Rams, um, I, I know you're, you you like Landry better than Cooks. If you're a little bit down on Cooks, is is the receiver, as far as where you can get him addressed, is the receiver to own in Los Angeles, is it Cooper Cup or is it Robert Woods, or are you kind of staying away from the Rams' receivers given where they're going in drafts right now? No, to me it's both. I would like both Cook, uh, both uh, uh, Woods and Cup at their ADP. I'm ending up with more Woods though because he's he's seeming to go. I, I would say I like Woods slightly better, and so I've been getting Woods more often than Cup. But I like both of them. You are going to be uh, at Planet Hollywood this September, drafting in the well in a bunch of events, but you will be drafting in the Bare Knuckle Challenge. For anybody who's not familiar with that, this is a 28 round. Uh, best ball draft where you cannot have a tablet, a phone, any cheat sheets, literally nothing at the table. You have to do it all from memory, uh, which is insane to me. I can't imagine that, that we get 12 people to do this every year, but somehow we do. And uh, it is a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's um, it, it, there's always a good crowd around watching. Um, and, uh, you know, for anybody who, if you want to draft in it to, to watch 28 rounds of, the, of guys just frying their brains and gals, uh, frying their brains uh, in three straight hours. It's something to see. So given um, that you're going to be drafting in this in uh, early September, what kind of prep are you doing um, to, to try to, you know, get yourself ready to, to win a league uh, with such a unique format? So i got to be honest, I'm not totally positive I'm going to do it this year. I might do the 5K um, 
whatever oh, the they call payback. it, big payback yeah. leak yeah. instead, because it's at the same time, I, I feel like I might want to just maximize the dollar amount this year. But I did it last year, and it was by far the most fun league that I, I drafted in. Um, and uh, guys were going crazy. It was right after the Thursday night game, uh, the, the Kareem Hunt game. And um, it was so much fun. My heart was racing the whole time. And um, funny story, though, I'll, I'll give you, uh, let's see. So I was I was drafting away, and it was, um, you know, eight, seven, seven rounds in or, or something. And all of a sudden, there was just a ton of quarterbacks going off the board. And I was like, wow, these guys are really bad, you know? Like, <laughs> what are they doing? And, uh, and then halfway through the draft, um, they stopped the draft. And then you can kind of mill around and, and talk with some of the other teams, uh, just just giving everyone a break. And so I was talking to this really nice man and woman team um, who had actually won the league the year previous. And I, I was talking about the quarterbacks going early, and they were like, "Yeah, well, you know, it's a it's a best ball format." And I go, "Oh my God, are you serious? It's a best ball format?" <laughs> I had absolutely no idea what format I was even drafting. <laughs> I thought it was just regular twenty round draft, and. Uh, and so, thank God, I had actually talked to them, and they were nice enough to, to tell me this, because I was able to, <laughs> I was able to adapt, uh, adjust accordingly. Um, my team was still horrendous after that, but uh, it, it was a lot of fun, and I, I would definitely recommend that league to anyone who wants to do it. I don't think I've brought this up on on the high stakes lowdown before, but um, for anybody who, um, and I apologize if I brought this up, but. The draft last year, the the bare knuckle challenge after the Thursday night game last year, there were guys, I mean, whooping and hollering and running around the table after some picks. I mean, it was boisterous. And you're talking about, you know, this is a lot of these guys had drafted all day on Thursday. They watched the game. You know, we had the FFPC viewing party there, you know, soda and beer and, and liquor and food. And, and, you know, everybody's having a great time. And then you get done with that. And then you got to do this 28-round draft, like the energy that was that was put forth. I mean, I I wasn't drafting all day. I was just kind of you know facilitating drafts, and I'm sitting you know with the with the big payback people, and we're looking across the room and we're like, my gosh, what is going on over there? And there is a crowd like probably like three or four deep ar- around the table, and I was like, I can't believe I'm missing this right now. There's 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 history happening over there. Um, so it was definitely a, you know a, one of the more entertaining drafts that I wish I could have seen. Uh, last year, but uh, definitely a, a good time. And if you're not going to participate in it, for anybody out there who, who can't get in or does, you know you don't want to get in it, and you're going to be out in Planet Hollywood, check it out. It's uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun uh, to watch for sure. Uh, Ryan, you've been extremely gracious with your time this week on the High Stakes Lowdown. Before I let you go, I want to ask one final question. Uh, give me a guy that you think uh, is going to be an early round uh, draft bust in FFPC leagues this year. And then not necessarily a rookie, but maybe a young player or maybe a veteran that's being unheralded uh, that you can get in uh, the mid to late rounds that, that, that's, that's going to be great for fantasy owners in 2018. Okay, well, the rookies I like are, are Rashad Penny, uh, Sony Michelle, and Ronald Jones. Um, and that's pretty much it for, for rookies. I, I don't think any of the wide receivers or tight ends I would want on my fantasy team for this year at least. Um, and as for for early round busts, well, I think uh, Brandon Cooks will be one. I think uh, McCaffrey actually is being drafted absurdly high. Um, I think that he should probably be going in round five or six or seven, honestly. Um, that's kind of my hot take for you. 
And uh, I'm also very low on Zeke going into this year, as as they just got Tavon Austin. And uh, I'm also pretty low on Juju Smith-Schuster. I just don't, not sure if there's going to be enough targets to go around in that Pittsburgh offense this year. Okay, I am definitely with you on Elliott. I am. I, I'm not very excited about him uh, this year. Excuse me, at all uh, as far as he goes. Juju Smith-Schuster, is it? I mean, like, do you think that James Washington makes an an instant impact um, this year? Do you think that it's, you know, going to be, uh, you know, Vance McDonald or whoever at tight end that that's really stepping forward? Do you think it's Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell just getting a ton of targets from Ben Roethlisberger? I'm curious about uh, Smith Schuster and why why you are, you know, given how he the impact he made as a rookie, um, and maybe it's just draft spot that he's just going too high, but. Talk a little bit about why Smith Schuster probably will not be on a lot of your teams. No problem. So I have Antonio Brown with a, a 30 to 32 percent target share this year. Le'Veon Bell with a 17 percent target share, which is low for his historical um, finishes. Uh, Juju, I actually have above where he he finished last year in target share at a 20 percent target share, and Vance at a 13 percent target share. So even if he gets more targets on a per on a target share basis than he did last year. Um, his hyper-efficiency last year has to regress somewhat. I even have him as one of the best wide receivers in the league, talent-wise. Um, so that would that would average out to 113 targets on the season for Juju, um, and that's before discounting for possible injuries, of course, um, as well as the fact that he could p- potentially be a red zone threat for the Steelers. And... He, According to all those metrics, he's still um, drafted way too high. <laughs> and the last thing I want to talk to you about, because this is honestly, this is, and I'm not saying it's wrong at all, obviously, um, but this, you are the first person I've talked to that's that's down on McCaffrey and, and down as much uh, on him as you are, given that um, he was the RB8 last year for for, uh, for PPR formats, and you think that he should be going, you know, two or three rounds later than, than he actually is. I'm, I mean, is it the signing of C.J. Anderson? Is it the drafting of D.J. Moore? Is it a healthy Greg Olson? Why are you down on McCaffrey this season? So it could be, um, you know, uh, an error in my model or something, but I'm also pretty low on Cam Newton. Um, but uh, so so part of it is C.J. Anderson, honestly. Um, and I do think C.J. Anderson um, and Cam Newton are – going to get most of the touchdown uh, uh, rushes um, for the Panthers this year. So that's definitely a major part of it. I don't think he's going to score very many touchdowns. Um, and I do think that his his reception total is actually going to decrease from last year, just because last year they didn't really have any any targets besides Devin Funches in the passing game. This year they're going to have um, potentially Samuel back. They now have DJ Moore. They have Greg Olson back. And uh, and Funchess, I th- I think is going to should be going a lot lower than he is currently. I just don't think that with all those guys back that there's going to be enough targets to go around for for McCaffrey this year. So with with fewer targets and uh, very few touchdowns on the season, I, I don't see it happening for him. Great stuff, Ryan. This is fantastic. You know what I I, I what I always like about um, the the lowdown is and and really the HSFFR as well is you don't get you know, sort of cookie cutter uh, analysis, you get unique stuff and you get differing viewpoints. And I always like, you know, I think we as fantasy owners need to, at least myself, this is something I struggle with every year, 
um, I, I need to invite points, not necessarily points of view, but differing opinions other than my own side. So I'm not, you know, confirmation bias isn't destroying my fantasy teams every single year. And I always <laughs> like getting, you know, encouraging people who, do, who don't agree with me. Tell me why you don't. Tell me why you have this differing opinion. And, and, and that helps me look at, you know, a hole in my own theory or my, uh, a hole in my own analysis. And, and I, I think that you helped point, uh, point a few of them out to, to me this week and hopefully some of the listeners as well and, and make sure that they have, uh, you know, good 2018 seasons for sure. Thank you so much for coming on the lowdown. I want to wish you best of luck in all your leagues last year. You obviously had a banner 2017 uh, here's to uh, hoping much more success comes your way in 2018. And I will talk to you out in Vegas, man. Thanks for doing the show this week. That was great. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Turbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.